Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for the second of two podcasts on the issue of eating disorders is B. Timothy Walsh, physician and professor of psychiatry at the Columbia University Medical School. Uh, there, he directs the Eating Disorders Research Unit and is director of a number of other programs. Internationally known for his work on eating disorders, Dr. Walsh has served as the president of the Academy of Eating Disorders and the Eating Disorders Research Society. So welcome. Thank you. So in our earlier podcast, we spoke about some of the causes and treatments for eating disorders. And let's talk more about what society might do to help address these things. Um, there, I know there's been talk about prevention of eating disorders, and there have been some programs that have been experimented with, with mixed results from what I understand. But are there things that we may want to consider doing as a society to lower risk for these problems? The things that might be done in schools, for example, or things that maybe the media could do that, that would help. Why don't we start uh, just with an open-ended question. What sort of ideas do you have? Yeah, it, like it's that? a very good and tough question. Um, my own um, sense of this topic is it's particularly tough uh, for eating disorders, for the classic eating disorders, anorexia, nervosa, bulimia nervosa. It's particularly tough because these are uncommon disorders. So it's, I think, somewhat easier to think about prevention programs um, that affect large numbers of people because everybody's at risk. Um, most people are not at risk for eating disorders. Uh, they're very rare in men. So, for example, aiming a broad prevention program that includes boys or men, you're trying to prevent a problem that is highly unlikely to occur in the first place. So you have to deploy a lot of resources because you right. can't identify the specific right. individuals right. who might be. Well, that, but that you can. But that's where it, one thought leads. <clears throat> one thought um, is to move away from general, you know, population-based prevention, and move closer to vulnerable populations, and that is um, possible. It's, you know, we don't, our knowledge isn't of who's at risk isn't so specific that um, we can target, you know, the 10% of women uh, who are most likely to get problems. But we can move in that, we can move in that direction. So there have been useful programs developed to um, help young women, for example, um, think more appropriately and constructively about body image and eating. Um, and these are good. There's evidence to support their benefit. Um, uh, one question is, so, so they, they do good, uh, and, and they help young women uh, deal with these very common issues about how to think about how I look and how I eat. Um, it's very hard to know precisely how effective these interventions are for the uh, less common, formal, serious eating disorders like anorexia nervosa. So what do you think are some of the, the toxic body image messages that get 
convey it in society that have become make it make increase risk for these problems? Yeah, well, probably. I mean, I, I think certainly the problem that many women uh, and so, and men maybe increasingly suffer from is this emphasis on sort of a prototype of looking good um, that you're only attractive if. And the, the images that are portrayed um, in front of all of us um, are unrealistic. I mean, there's all kinds of evidence and data that what we see in magazines and on television and movies um, are images of attractiveness that are unachievable by nor- most normal humans. Um, so I know, speaking of that, there's some data that I've known, I've seen you cite about declining weights in Miss America. Yeah, so there's, you can find data that the weights of um, Miss America con- contestants or winners, and the dates of Playboy centerfold, the weights of Playboy centerfolds have gone down with time. And if, so, I, if I understood the gr- graph right that I saw you show recently, on the Miss America winners, that the the average Miss America winner is now below the criteria for anorexia nervosa. Yeah, they're below. They're below. Separate of anorexia, they're below the uh, the CDC and World Health Organization standard for low low limit of normal weight. So, I mean, hopefully they don't have anorexia nervosa. We don't know, but they are achieving weights that are statistically abnormal. Um, and that's part of the problem, that the images that are portrayed are, un, you know, I hope these women are normal and they're just the, the end of the bell curve. They're just able to um, live happily and normally at a very low weight. I suspect that that's not true of all of them. Um, but certainly most people, most women, can't achieve those weights and be, and be healthy. So they have a body that's just not going to allow them right. to do that without having serious consequences. That's correct. And so that presumably, it's hard to prove, but that presumably is a factor contributing to um, body dissatisfaction, the, this sort of, uh, you know, the, the real concern that so many women and young women have about not feeling they're attractive because they're not achieving a standard that is unrealistic and unachievable. So that's um, that's a concern. Now, I but I, the other but I have to hesitate to add that, <clears throat> and that's a problem. I'm not dis- dismissing that as a problem, and it it almost certainly contributes to the, the discomfort and un, uh, discomfort many young folk have, and and that's unfortunate because they shouldn't be. Um, Exactly how much of a role such images play in the development of serious clinical eating disorders has not been established. Um, Because I'm assuming the logic is that everybody is exposed to these toxic messages. The term that got invented to describe how normative this is is normative discontent. Yep, normative discontent. Body body weight and shape. But only some people develop eating disorders. So while this might be a predisposing factor, by itself is not sufficient to do exactly so one of the things that makes you pause is while there are data that the images portrayed in front of all of us um, have gotten thinner and more unattainable leading to normative discontent the frequency of eating disorders has not exploded 
um, it if it's increased, it's increased um, modestly, uh, and it may not have increased. We just don't know. We can't measure it. So while these factors are important, and while they probably set the stage for normative discontent, which is not good, and set the stage for the development of some eating disorders, um, I'm not sure that we can be, I'm sure we can't be confident um, that addressing these images will uh, eliminate um, anorexia nervosa, or eliminate the occurrence of anorexia nervosa. So do you think that uh, people should rise up and express unhappiness with Sports Illustrated for its swimsuit issue and the models on the cover. I don't know. Magazines I think things. that's a tough... People have. Let me, let's say people have and concerns have been raised, and I, I think that's appropriate, um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm aware of, though I'm not involved in, efforts to, um, you know, for, for modeling agencies and for uh, um, uh, fashion shows to uh, have standards for um, healthy weight. And I, I have no objection to that. I think that's a sensible thing. Um, but I think what's my hunch, not being an expert in this territory, my hunch is what's as or more important is to help our young people, our kids um, and their friends, to um, have a firmer foundation for their self-esteem to help them not get caught up in this logic that I'd really be happier uh, if I lost 15 pounds or if I looked like the lady who won Miss America. Um, I think we, we should do that. We should help people have a healthier view of, um, of themselves uh, and not to be, not to focus so much on what ends up being superficial um, yeah, you know, it seems like one feature of that is uh, getting across this message that body weight and shape are not infinitely malleable. <laughs> that is certainly true. Now, if you look at the way we accept differences in hair color, exactly. eye color, facial features, height in people, and we don't expect people to change those things um, just because there's some social ideal, but we do with body weight and shape. And there's a sense that if you only try hard enough, you can look like the ideal. I wholeheartedly agree. And, and that gets where, communicated in some yeah, way. Yeah, and, it, it, and it's wrong. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody should try to be healthy. Everyone should try to, um, to eat uh, healthy and exercise regularly. But the idea that you can, by dint of extraordinary effort, change yourself into some physiological or physical state, into any physiological or physical state that you desire, is just wrong. I mean, they're... It's just not uh, available. I, I very much agree with your analogy. We accept different hair colors and different heights and different nose sizes, pretty much. Um, but uh, uh, weight is viewed as just malleable, and that, that can't be. I've, I've just another thought on this prevention issue that I thought might be worth mentioning. What I do think for these serious but uncommon eating disorders um, anorexia nervosa, bulimia, um, what is important um, to identify them early. Um, so rather than absolutely prevent their occurrence, which is 
I don't think we know enough to know how to do that right now effectively. We can help, but um, it, that's a very tough um, goal uh, to achieve. I think um, parents, schools, um, uh, teachers, coaches should be alert to the development um, of these problems, um, not encourage them, because you do hear stories. And I, I, this may be diminishing, I don't know, but uh, certainly I think there have been efforts to teach coaches, for example, um, not to encourage inappropriate weight loss. Um, back, back to the issue of weight isn't perfectly malleable, and to encourage um, athletes or individuals who are performing in one way or another to achieve weights that are not healthy um, should be very much discouraged. And conversely, if kids uh, start to come at that on their own uh, and start to achieve weights that don't seem healthy or losing a lot of weight, um, I think it's very appropriate and important for coaches, teachers, parents um, to worry about that and to bring it uh, to attention. So one last question I'd, li I'd like to address is, are there things more of something that could be done in medical training, or could the government do more, or organizations through websites to get out more information about these issues? I think information's good. I mean, I, I think, uh, and there certainly is information out there. Um, you know, what I, what I think um, would be useful, we haven't talked about, uh, and uh, I think you're more qualified to talk about this than I am, um, is one of the real challenges for our country is to develop messages about food and eating and weight and weight management that um, apply to most Americans. And obviously, the biggest problem with weight in America is weight gain and obesity. And, and one of the challenges, I think, is to craft messages <clears throat> and, and, and emphasize them that um, help, help the majority of Americans who are struggling with weight gain and to avoid obesity, but don't um, lead individuals who may be vulnerable to the classic eating disorders uh, in that direction. So I, and people have worked on these kind of programs, but I think in terms of prevention and messaging, uh, the challenges to come up with useful um, uh, information to portray for Americans that helps them in general deal in a healthy way with food and eating and weight. So the object would be to address one disorder without making another one worse. You got it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been very instructive. Thanks. So our guest today was Dr. B. Timothy Walsh, professor of psychiatry at Columbia University and one of the world's leading experts on the eating disorders. Uh, please visit our website, www.yalerudcenter.org, and you'll find a variety of resources on food, food policy issues, including links to other uh, excellent webcasts that we've done. Thank you.